0: I'm Alicia. And I'm Mary.
1: And we're sharing content that supports and empowers students, parents, and educators. Good evening, Mary.
0: Hey, Alicia.
1: How are you today?
0: Well, it's been back to school today, so it's been a very busy and exciting day. It was
1: good to see the kids.
0: It was so good to see the kids. Every kid. I saw every kid. I was surprised. I kind of thought we'd be taking a step back, but they all arrived and they were excited to talk about their break. And I had one kid who said to me after a couple kids talked about their break, she said, okay, what are we going to learn today? (laughs) I know. I was like, Ooh, she knows her teacher. I don't mess around.
1: I was excited to hear about everything they had been doing. Some kids said they hadn't left the house and then other kids had been really busy. So that was interesting to kind of hear
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, what they've been up to.
0: Yeah, I felt like were- most students that I talked to did not do much outside of the home, but they were given a lot of fun activities to do at home.
1: Right. That was interesting to hear how they spent their time off. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I miss them. I really do. We have a lot to talk about tonight, don't we?
1: Yeah, I was going to say you have a, a we have a topic that's relevant
0: mm-hmm.
1: because we're we're still in non-traditional instruction. We started back online after the break still, so we're still not together in the building right. with our kids.
0: You and I aren't so together, and we're not together with the kids. No. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Everybody's right. separated, but um, united on screens. And I wanted to point out, too, sometimes we say non-traditional instruction, and for where we are, that means online or digital. Everything is online right now. It's not a hybrid model. We are not. We haven't had any face-to-face instruction since last March. Yeah. Yeah. Every, it seems
1: like a lifetime ago.
0: It does. And every district has its own lingo, but we say non-traditional, and that means online, right? Yeah. So um, you were going to say about our topic.
1: So we kind of, um, because we have been online for so long, and we have wonderful parents and caregivers who are helping their children or their students or their loved ones online, we have had the question often, how much is too much help? When do I help? When (laughs) do I stay out of it? I think we get that a lot, and we see that, right, working with kids every day. I know that I have had to kind of say, if I'm doing an assessment, actually I assessed today, and I had to just kind of say, if someone's there helping you, you know, I, I need to see what you can do on your own, so What we're going to do today, no help, let's just see what you can do. Um, And having to set kind of those parameters for learning online and depending on the purpose. So I think that's a hot topic for us to discuss today. And I'm sure some people will want to hear our thoughts on that subject. Because I know that affects a lot of people.
0: And I thought of you today because you were the one who pointed out to me, you know, because you've been given a lot of assessment, helping Is the help really help? You know, it comes to a point we have to ask that. And um, I could hear some people today online with my students saying, How do you, what word does she want you to write? How do you, here, help you spell it, you know? And I was like, No, the whole idea is that I want to see how this student spells it. So um, I know what you mean. It's not just for assessments, it's also for instruction. And I think it comes also to the point that we talked about last time where we have a bigger window into what is happening in the home because we are talking to the kids in their home environment or, you know, if it's not their home, it might be some family members home. Some of the kids are in, you know, childcare settings where they're being helped by people who are working there. But for the most part, my students are in the home so it kind of gives us a good idea of where the confusion might be it carries over to homework as well wouldn't you say that the help that they might be getting now for schoolwork is a pretty good indicator of maybe where the confusions might be around homework right
1: yes i would say that that's probably true
0: mm-hmm. so this topic carries like- over to you know an online setting and a face to face setting
1: Agreed. I agree, and I think it's it's difficult even as an educator to know how much support to give, right? So I can Mm -hmm. imagine at home trying to help. It doesn't have quite the background or the training that we have to know when to kind of support and when to push.
0: Yeah, and that brings up the first elements of talking about this issue you have to think about the student and you have to think about what the student's being asked to do and those are two really specific things that the amount of help that a student might need really depends on who is the kid and what are the expectations of the task that the kid's being asked to do. So an assessment is pretty cut and dried for an assessment you don't want any help from anyone because you don't know if the student can do the thing that you're measuring.
1: Right and when you're giving an assessment the, the purpose is completely clear. Mm-hmm. You want to know what they know uh, what they have already in place and what they need to know because that helps you know what to teach. Yes. So that very important that no help is is given because if you get false information then student might not get the instruction that they need.
0: Right or the help they need and that is a different way of thinking about assessment. You know there's formative assessment and summative assessment and I would venture to say that most people who might be helping kids don't see assessment as something that's formative. Assessment is seen as something that Is almost a mark of judgment of a kid. And I think there's a lot of anxiety and concern that goes with that. And in our next discussion, I think we'll go deeper into that because, especially when it's linked to grades or something that's articulated on a report card or a midterm report, that's when people really get worried and they really start to think, oh, this is going to hurt my child if I don't step in here. But outside of assessment, when kids are doing work, um, it could be confusing still for anybody who's available to think about how much do I help the student with this.
1: Well, I think it depends on: is it the first time that the student this concept or or the content is this the first? Is it new to them? Is this something they have been working on in the classroom? So I think when working on when it has been presented and how long they've been involved in it also affects how much help or support is needed as well yes you know are they still learning it something that they should have mastered already or mm-hmm. is it brand new and yes in practice a lot of you know homework should be practiced mm-hmm. um, they should have already learned the skill it shouldn't be new learning so that's a factor too
0: and I think that's where you have to tease that apart and I think you and I need to probably do that so that anyone who's listening can think about it as well, that uh, there's work that kids are doing in an online environment that parents, caregivers might be hearing or supposed to that is meant to be the process that happens in a classroom, which hopefully starts with the teacher showing something, modeling something, and then giving students a chance to practice it in groups or in pairs and with input from the teacher until they're ready to try to do it on their own. So if that's the process where, you know, somebody's listening or or observing that, I think understanding that process is a really important thing for parents and caregivers to get because students are supposed to wander around in the muck a little bit and not know yes. exactly what they're supposed to do. And you had some really good terms for that.
1: Productive struggle.
0: What do you think of when you say that?
1: So if they're learning a new concept and they're kind of unsure and they're struggling a little bit, it's okay. They don't necessarily need the answer right away. It's mm-hmm. okay to make a mistake. That's how they learn. Um, that's how it's all learned. And usually the when they make the mistakes is what they're going to remember. So they're going to remember how they helped themselves or how they they worked the problem out on their own or how they decoded that word and what skills and strategies help them to do that. Because if they have skills and strategies to work out a problem or a word or whatever they're working on, they're more able to have that secure so that they use it the next time. Mm-hmm. So they have those skills and strategies in their back pocket, let's say, and, and they transfer so that when they are in a productive struggle again, they have some tools to use. Mm-hmm. If they're always given the answer, then oftentimes they don't have those skills to apply because they haven't had to do the work.
0: Yes, and that goes with our one of our favorite topics, which is brain science, which teaches us, and this is actually not new. This has been around a long time. Um, our guy, Lev Vygotsky, he figured it out a long time ago that there's this sweet spot for learning. There's a zone where it's a little bit hard, but it was somebody else there who knows how to do it. You can figure it out. And if you think about athletics and coaching and kids starting out and learning fundamentals of a sport with a coach who teaches them, they do drills and they practice. That is a way that you can think about any type of learning kids have to have a chance to get those foundations and those fundamentals in place it takes a lot of practice but it also takes not knowing how to do it sometimes and there's somebody there by your side to say here's how you do it and show you and then you try it with your teammates you try it you know you and your your friends and your in your classroom community work together to try to build that understanding and like you said they can't use it again, and also they don't have the confidence, a student doesn't have confidence in himself or herself as a learner if they haven't been through that process so that they know, okay, this feels weird, this feels uncomfortable, but I know I'm going to get to the other side of it.
1: Well, oh, and Mary, it, it also reminds me too that you you had mentioned this, kids, students learn from each other, and we learn from each other, and, yeah. and sometimes even... A teacher, how many times has a student come up with something or a way to work out something that we never even thought about? Right. And it made so much sense, and it was so much better even than what we had had planned. Out of those opportunities comes great learning, but we have to provide those opportunities, and sometimes we get in the way of that. Not intentionally, unintentionally, Mm -hmm. but we can inadvertently get in the way when we're trying to help
0: too much. And I would say for we, I would define we as teachers and parents and caregivers, anybody who's working with a kid, especially when you sense frustration, it makes you want to jump in there, but it's not always the best thing to do. But with that in mind, if a student isn't getting the modeling from the expert, who would be the teacher, right? Or the parent as a teacher or the caregiver, whoever is doing the teaching, the modeling, and then some practice with input before they're asked to go off and do it on their own. That's where I think a problem lies too, is kids who come home with work or they're given things that they need to do out of their Google Classroom, let's say. Somebody's looking at it with the student and they don't know what to do and they don't know how to do it. There are a lot of things that may have gone missing in that process right yes right and I would say most times it's not enough practice
1: there are times though that and I'm sure a lot of parents we're parents and Mm -hmm. I know this has happened in my house to where maybe they just don't want to or they're tired and so (laughs) like I'm just gonna tell you I don't understand I want you to try to do it so Mm -hmm. there are some questions if that's the case Mm mm-hmm or if you see that your learner is getting frustrated, mm-hmm. um, there are just some prompts that can maybe jumpstart or get them to take initiative. One of them is where are you stuck? And then maybe you can help your child kind of figure out where the confusion lies and get them back, get them back on track. Mm-hmm. Another one, how can you help yourself? Okay. Maybe going back to that toolbox, those skills and strategies, mm-hmm. maybe they just don't know that, that they, the strategies and skills they already have in place, they can apply to this task. So that's one. Another one I, I thought of is what do you need for me to do to help you? So mm-hmm. what do you need for me mm-hmm. to do to help you? So they're, they're open-ended. They're not really yes or no. And I think that maybe prompts a learner who does know and has had the practice, but just maybe is not motivated or it's just stuck mm-hmm. in a certain spot. I just wanted to share some of those thoughts because they do seem to help. And that way you're not giving the answer, but you're prompting the child to take some kind of action. And then if they don't know, then you know, okay, there may be some real confusion. Or like you said, maybe the proper teaching has not mm-hmm. taken place. Yeah. And then that, that would be mixed a discussion um, with the teacher for some further instruction there.
0: Yeah. I like those questions because those lead to metacognition, which is, you know, understanding yourself as a learner. So as an adult, you know, we have to look at our work and say, where did this break down? You know, how did I, how did I get to this place? I did not do this in a way or the results from this thing I planned are not what I expected What do I need to do differently? You know, that is something that is just required in life. And so for kids to be able to start to build that sense of, you know, I can look at myself as a learner and I can say to myself, where did this Break down, or where did I start start to be confused? Like even a young kid could be asked that. When did this start to be confusing? Right. I had some kids today that were writing some words that we had been practicing with consonant, vowel, consonant, and they missed a few. Each one of them missed a few, and I said, "I want you to look and see, look at the words that you missed, and tell me what do you think that you need to focus on. You know, what do you what do you need to learn?" And they were saying number four (laughs) you know number five and I I had to say what do you mean look at number four what was hard for you oh I mixed up the short a and the short u you know and I did that again on number you know five so giving them that opportunity that really gives them power because then they can ask for what they need and they can figure out what they don't know I think that you know without being too hard on classroom instructors instruction that pace of the classroom today is really quick and there's a lot of modeling and there's a lot of asking kids to go and do but there's not always a lot of opportunity for kids to work together or to work on their own and just get feedback so that they know are they on the right track um, you mentioned questions for kids and then if those questions either can't be answered or um, make you feel like, more discussion is needed than some questions you might want to ask the instructor or yourself, if you're the person who's teaching, you know, we have a lot of homeschooling families and people who are working with their kids um, on their own during this digital time. But is the work that the kid is struggling with, is it meant to be done independently? Usually the answer to that is yes. If it's meant to be done independently, then to ask an instructor or yourself, if you're the instructor, what modeling and practice has been done for this? You know, how many chances has this child had to understand it and practice with it? And then if they have had that practice, is there a different version of this assignment that's meant to be done independently that this student can be successful with? So not every student is in the same place at the same time. Even with the best case scenario for instruction. So it could be that the student needs a different version.
1: Yeah, that that reminds me to another question to ask the learner too is do you understand what you're supposed to be doing? And yeah. that that is effective. Mhm. Um, and I know that I've used that many times with students. They just they know the task, they just don't understand what they're being asked to do. And if they don't understand that goes back to what to what you were saying about getting clarification and mm-hmm. and asking the instructor. But it's, sometimes it's just as simple as they just don't know or mm-hmm. they haven't read the directions. I think if having them read the directions out loud
0: mm-hmm. is helpful.
1: Mm-hmm. I know that many times students have gone, Oh, that's what that wanted me to do Yes. So it could be something Hope maybe as simple as just read Sometimes, you know, when you read out loud to something, you just hear yourself. It's just not the same as reading silently. Right. Right.
0: It becomes multi-sensory because you hear what you're saying. Yes. And I'm just sitting here thinking about students that I work with. And there have been times when I've thought, why didn't you do that? And then I ask them and they say, oh, the director, I didn't understand the directions. And I think, oh, come on. Those directions were so clear. And then I ask them to read me the directions and I think, oh, (laughs) I see why they were confused. (laughs) You know, my, like, it's learning and understanding and communicating. It's so complex. And so even with my best attempts to be as clear as possible, there are still kids who legitimately will read those directions and say, does she want me to do this or this? You know, and it's like you were saying about kids talking about something, bringing something into a lesson that you didn't expect. Like, that's why they need to be together and have time to interact. It's the same with a task. If you say to a student, like you just said, do you know why you're doing this? But also, what do you think these directions are asking you to do? Most of the time, they have a good reason for why they're stuck, and they rather than risk being wrong, they would rather risk not doing it. I find that especially well, yeah. with older students, like fourth, fifth, sixth, and into middle school, they would rather just not and be wrong and then be wrong.
1: Well, and doesn't it make sense because you could read something, I could read the exact same mm-hmm. article or mm-hmm. set of directions, and you could could have read it and had a totally different interpretation mm-hmm. than
0: I did yeah you and I have done that lots of times
1: <laughs> we talk, right yeah and I may see it from point of view mm-hmm. and you think some well simple directions they're they're so explicit but it depends on how you read them so right I, that is a very common a very common fusion for kids
0: Right, and then you add to that if you have a child who or a student who's an English learner, you know that adds another layer of of clarity that's needed. Or maybe that student can't actually read the instructions, and so right. they might need some audio um, as a supplement. And that brings me to my next point: that there are some kids who the task is going to be. Inappropriate for if they have a learning plan, some kind of agreed upon, you know, instructional plan that is not being honored for whatever reason. So it might be a kid who has, you know, a learning difference or it might be a student who's learning English or it could be so many things. But that's another question to ask is, is this student this learner getting the support they need that's documented in a plan because that is a right that is not that is not negotiable and that's not so many times i've heard people say oh that's not fair they have that and someone else doesn't no that is actually something that levels the playing field for a lot of kids if they have instructional supports and accommodations and if you're not providing those then that student's going to fail, or they're going to have someone at home who is helping so much that the learning isn't happening. If you're helping, if you find that you're helping someone so much that at the end of that experience, they can't tell you anything or very little about what they learned from that task, then that was a waste of time.
1: Right, and they, they have to be able to make those connections from what they learned here to what to new learning and what they learned in one subject to another. And you're absolutely right. And if they are constantly being given and they, they're not they're not internalizing what they've learned, they can't apply it to other right other situations.
0: Right. I know they're times for me as an um, English language teacher that I will have a teacher say to me, can you just help the student complete this work? And the work is grade level and the student isn't ready for the work they're giving the stu- them yet. And yes, I could do that. But if I do, that's just going to be my work. I will have been supporting and scaffolding and so much that it's not even the student's work anymore. They don't own it anymore. So as a parent or anybody who's helping a student with work during um, digital instruction or as homework, if you're helping them so much that the student isn't (laughs) getting, you know, the learning from the task, then that's just a box that you check and says, yeah, I did it. Everyone else did this. My, My learner did it too. But is that really learning? Is that really what's in the best interest of that student? It's not. No. It's
1: not. But if you need help, we are consultants. Mm-hmm. And so you can definitely reach out to us if you have uh, further questions or you feel like you need more help. You can reach out to us at merton.morgan at gmail.com. And we are certified teachers, and educators, and mm-hmm. we can help with that with any parents or that, that need additional support. I don't want parents to think that they're alone. No,
0: they're, you're they're not alone. alone. And we've We're been on it. the other side of the table, too, haven't we, where we've been the parent who is interfacing with another educator who... Um, had to have those difficult conversations ourselves we've we've been through that process you know it's not easy but that's what inspires us to help because we know we know how important having the right questions or even just having someone to say um you're right about this we see what's happening here and you are absolutely right in going to ask and not being, you know, not having a confrontation because it can be really personal when it's your child, but having knowledge, having knowledge and having good questions to ask that can make all the difference because sometimes the person who's there on the other side of the table as the instructor, they haven't really thought about it the way that you have because you know your own child student learner you know them better and than anybody right yeah so yes we're we are available and we're happy to take questions we both spend a lot of time thinking about how to take tasks that are meant for students at a certain grade level and make them meaningful for kids who are in different places in their learning and that is possible to do and it's right to ask for it
1: absolutely Mm -hmm.
0: so our next discussion will be similar to this but it will be more about how much should you help but your concern is more about the grades and the assessment um, data that you're getting back about your learner, rather than the fact that the work is too difficult for the learner to do. Ma'am,
1: we're going to talk about that next week. Yes. Our next podcast.
0: Yes. Next podcast. So come back and join us, stay with us and share our podcast. Go to our website. Alicia gave you our, Gmail account, but we also have a website, Merton Morgan Consulting LLC, and we have lots of resources there. And we'll make sure to link that on SoundCloud, and we're also on Apple. We'd love to hear from you. And we hope you enjoyed this
1: podcast. We enjoy talking about these topics, sharing us. Our-
0: mm-hmm. Okay. Well,
1: All right. Have a good
0: day. And we'll see you next. Okay, we'll see you next time. Bye, everyone.